0: So you may have noticed that over the, uh, our Advent season this year, except for uh, the first week of Advent, um, all the scriptures that I've preached from have involved a visitation from an angel, from the angel Gabriel, actually. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the angel Gabriel visiting Zechariah, who was to be the father of John the Baptist and the foretelling of his birth. And then last week, uh, we looked at the visitation to Mary, and the angel Gabriel explained to Mary that she would be the one who would, who would bear the saviour. And sure enough, here we go again this week with another angelic visitation. Um, I think it's a reminder to us that when God's getting ready to do something really big, uh, angelic activity will be on the rise, okay? And so I just want to say, if any of you are visited by an angel, please let me know, okay? I want to make a note of that. But there's a lot of work going on. I I thought, gosh, Gabriel was busy that year, wasn't he? I mean, he had a lot going on. In the scripture that we read this morning, uh, the angels not actually named Gabriel. But there's a fair, probably a good chance that it was indeed Gabriel again. So last week, we looked at Mary's perspective. Okay, We got Mary's side of the story. Um, And so I thought, you know, this week in the the true spirit of gender equality, that we're going to look at Joseph's take this week that's why our sermon's called Joseph's take because we're going to be looking at his side of things what did he experience what did he go through and i want to try and draw us in a little bit to uh, use our imagination a little bit about what this must have been like for Joseph okay we, we get the basics in what we read this morning but you know Joseph was a human being like you or i and must have been having all kinds of uh, complex feelings and emotions about this situation so let's jump in um We begin with a dilemma. A bit of a serious problem here because verse 18 says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, this might be a bit of a problem even today. But you imagine back just before first century A.D., and a woman trying to explain this out of wedlock. That she was pregnant. And then on top of that, trying to say to Joseph, I, I know how this looks. I promise you, it's not been through another man. I am pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And I try to envision, you know, Sarah and I being in this scenario. And I, Sarah, who I trust implicitly. And I, I like to think of myself as a, as a guy of pretty deep faith. But I think if she told me this story, I'd be a little skeptical. You know, I promise you, Dan, I've not been seeing anybody else. It's, it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I would, it'd be a hard pill to swallow, right, for any of us. So we have a problem here. We have a dilemma. What's Joseph to do? So what do we often do when we have uh, a problem or a decision to make? We often, what do we do? We, we ask the question, what are my options? Yeah, we look at different scenarios. Okay, well, if I do this, this will happen. If I do that, what are my options and, um, you know, just recently, probably in the last week or two, um, Sarah and I, we decided to switch internet providers. Uh, and it was because basically we found a deal that gave us a way faster service for 25% less than what the other company was charging us. No brainer. But nonetheless, when we spoke with the company, we asked, what are, what are the options? Well, if you go with this speed, it'll be this amount every month. If you go with the higher speed, it'll cost you this. We weighed up the options. You do this if you're buying a car. I drove past a, uh, a garage the other day and, uh, you know, there was a car out there uh, with, a, with a sticker on, fully loaded. Does oh, it come with bacon and sour cream? You know? but, but fully loaded, right? It's got everything in it. It's got, you know, heated, uh, heated seats, heating steering wheel, yeah? And you're like, I don't need that for an extra thousand bucks now. And then we get a storm like we did last week. And you're like, I should have got the heated steering wheel. <laughs> but we weigh up the options. Yeah, what are the options? And so, what options did Joseph have? What did, options did Joseph have back in the culture and the times that he was living in? And remember, at this stage, he's not had the visitation by the angel. This hasn't happened yet. And so all he knows is that Mary, she's got a baby bump and he had nothing to do with it. And yes, he knows how babies usually happen. So what are his options? What's a guy to do? Well, number one, he could divorce her publicly. He could make a a big scandal out of it, right? He could drag Mary's name through the mud as an adulterer, call her out as a cheater, as, as an unfaithful woman. He could lie and say that the child was his. And that they had a little slip up. But that would ruin Joseph's reputation as a righteous man. He could have made some money out of it. By demanding the dowry that Mary's family would have had to pay him once they were living together. And then he could have broken it off with Mary and made a nice little little profit from her family. But instead he goes with a fourth option. Verse 19 tells us, because Joseph her husband was faithful to the law... And yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So because Joseph is a, is a righteous and a good man. Joseph decides to divorce her quietly. Which he could do back then. You Basically all you needed was two witnesses. And you could make the divorce happen. So despite the anguish and the, and the hurt and the betrayal he must have been feeling at this point. He decides to be full of grace about it. And perhaps this, you know, perhaps this pulls a, a few strings or, or um, speaks to your own heart. Perhaps you've experienced some deep betrayal in your life. Perhaps you've had somebody who's, who's cheated on you, who's betrayed your trust. You know, before Sarah and I met, I was, I was engaged to, to, to somebody else. And, and she ended up uh, being unfaithful, cheating on me. And at the time, I was absolutely heartbroken and devastated about it. And there was a part of me that wanted revenge, wanted to get back at her for how she'd hurt me. But Joseph, that's not what he does. He doesn't go the route of revenge and and pay back like many of us would. He doesn't try to assassinate her character, destroy her life, go all cancel culture on her. He doesn't do that. No, he opts to just quietly end it and help Mary save some face. Now let me pause for a moment because some of you might be asking the question, well hang on a moment, if, if they're only engaged, because it said Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, why, why is Joseph referred to as, as Mary's husband? Because that's not how we do it today, right? If you're engaged, you're a fiance, but you're not husband and wife yet. So why are we even talking about divorce? Just break the engagement off, right? No biggie. Well, in ancient Jewish tradition, marriage was a little different from our 21st century idea of marriage. It had two parts to it. And part one was uh, the engagement was undertaken actually a year before the marriage was uh, legally binding. And so the woman, usually a teenage girl, was, would still live with her family. In this year of engagement. And then part two was that after a year, there was a marriage ceremony. The man took the woman to his home, they consummated the marriage, and now it was fully complete. So, this is why at this point, Joseph would have had to divorce her. They were betrothed, and because of that, it was legally binding. But Joseph, because he is good, he's a righteous man, after weighing up his options, he opts to just quietly end it. And like I said, help Mary hopefully save some, some face. Now, you know, the funny thing is that we, we, all, we have a habit of looking at our, at our options, coming to a decision and thinking we've got it all figured out, don't we? Okay, I've weighed up the other, I'm going to do this, this, okay, and it's all going to work out beautifully. And then God comes along and says, I don't think so. You ever experienced that? you got it all planned out. you got the five-year plan in place. I'm going to be here in 2025. By the way, none of us thought we'd be here in 2020, right? (laughs) If you had a five-year plan in 2015, how did that go? (laughs) But we can have it all planned out, and then God can come along and rock our world and say, actually, no. That's not how it's going to be, because I have other plans. And guess what? They're better plans than your plans. And God... As are the plans for Mary and Joseph. And you know, it's something we need to remember and that should actually give us a lot of comfort is that God always has plans. God always has plans. He's never like, what am I going to do tomorrow? No. God always has plans. And He always has plans, and nothing, absolutely nothing, can thwart the plans of God. You know, even when things look their darkest, when things seem to be spiraling out of control, no, God has a plan. The midst of this pandemic right now, where still things feel so uncertain and what's going on and, you know, when's the vaccine going to be out and when this and that and all this kind of stuff, wondering what has been the deal with 2020, God is at work and somehow this is all part of God's plan. I'm actually excited for what 2021 will bring, okay, for a number of reasons. One, because, you know, hopefully we're going to get back to normal at some point. But I'm actually hopeful and excited for what God is doing in this and what's going to be the result of it. Once these doors are wide open again and nobody's concerned about meeting together, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and believing and praying that we're going to see people returning to the church, people who haven't been in years people who've never been. And so I'm excited for 2021 because I know God is working through this and that he has a plan. And not only does he have a plan for the church, he's got a plan for each and every one of you if you will let him take control. And that's the difficult thing, isn't it? He's saying, you know what? Not my will, but your will be done. God has a plan for Joseph listen to verse 21 and 22 sorry 20 and 21 here but after he had considered this an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said Joseph son of David do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit she'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins God knew in his wisdom that Joseph would need an angelic encounter, a supernatural encounter to really believe Mary's story. Because he's human like the rest of us. I think we'd all need an angelic encounter to believe that, right? But it's exactly what God provides for Joseph. And I mentioned this last week, but it's a difficult concept to get our head around, isn't it? That Mary was pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. But again, I remind you of the source. I mean, we're, we're talking about God, the creator and the sustainer of all things, the source of life itself. Do you realize without God, nothing would exist? We're told that Jesus is the one who holds all and sustains all things together. He is the source of life, the author of life he is called. And if we believe in the the, the Bible, it tells us in Genesis that, you you know how things came to be? God spoke them into existence. He didn't sit in a lab trying to find the right compounds and molecules and all that kind of stuff. No, you, you know what he did? He said, let there be light. And there was light. He said, let there be water. And there was water. Because he's God. And he can create with the breath of his mouth. If we can believe that Jesus died on the cross and God raised him back to life after three days. Then of course we can believe that God could create human life without the need for a biological father. That should not be an issue for us. The angel instructs Joseph to not be afraid. You notice we hear that every time, don't we, with these angelic encounters. Do not be afraid because the appearance of an angel, trust me, if an angel appeared right now in our church, we would all be on the floor cowering. Because by all accounts, they are magnificent. Incredible to behold. And when you see something of awesome beauty and power, there's there's a certain fear that comes over you. It's a fear, it's a reverence. It's a, I don't know what to do here. But clearly this is what Joseph experienced when this angel appeared. And he says, do not be afraid. And that do not be afraid, again, it doesn't necessarily mean um, do not be in fear, but rather do not shrink back from doing something. That's what the the meaning of the word is. Do not shrink back from doing what you've been called to. In other words, the angel is telling Joseph that God has a specific plan for him and his role. In this in this family, and he's not to shrink back from what God has called him to. The same goes for us. The angel also tells Joseph that it's it's going to be a boy, and he's to name him Jesus. Why Jesus? I sometimes you know the way my mind thinks. I think about I wonder what the the number one trending name was back in Jesus' day for that year. You know, I mean, was Jesus up there? Or you know, um, I know for 2020 it's Liam, in case you're wondering. Closely followed by Noah, which I thought, oh, that's good. We've got a biblical name in there, and then Oliver, very British. (laughs) But he's to call him Jesus, and I explained this last week. It's uh, the Hebrew is Yeshua for Jesus, and it means the name means Yahweh's salvation or the Lord saves. And this is highly significant because Joseph is being divinely directed to name this child the Lord saves. And that's because it's exactly what he is going to be. He's going to be the savior of the world. Verse 21. He will save his people from their sins. You know who his people are? You're his people. You're his people watching at home. Those are his people out there. People who, people who don't even know the Lord are people who are waiting to be called to him if we will go out, if we will be the laborers for the harvest. But he came to save us from our sins. Many people don't even believe in sin anymore. They think, what, what is sin? Sin is what separates us from God. It's what has broken that relationship that we were made to have with our Lord and our Creator. Sin is when we say my will rather than thy will. But Jesus came to heal that, to be the bridge that could reconcile us back to God. Jesus being born is, is God's plan coming to fruition. And God has had this plan from the beginning of time. It was prophesied over 700 years before Jesus' birth. By the way, do you know how many Old Testament prophecies Jesus fulfilled? Over 300. And people have looked into the statistical probability of that. It's impossible. (laughs) Not if you got. God. But this was foretold over 700 years ago. Listen to this from Matthew chapter 1 verse 22 to 23 says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And then he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 there. Now again, some of you might ask the question, if you're thinking about this text a little bit more deeply, well, which is it? Is Jesus' name Jesus? Or Emmanuel? And the answer is both. Both. Yes, Jesus was his name. Just as you might say, my name's Dan. But Emmanuel was, the, was one of his titles. Just like pastor, you could say, is one of my titles. Jesus is called Emmanuel because as we're told, it means God is with us. And in Jesus, that's exactly what we have. We have God incarnate. God come in the person of Jesus, to be among us, to walk among us, and to live as one of us. This was God's plan. And it was not God's plan that Joseph would quietly divorce Mary, but instead he would adopt Jesus as his own son. He adopted him. And by Joseph naming Jesus, this is again very significant because this meant he was taking Jesus as his own son. And what that meant was that Jesus would be legally recognized as Joseph's son. Thus Jesus was literally now a legitimate descendant of the line of the lineage of King David. And remember Joseph is called son of David by the angel because he can trace his family line back to King David. And again, this, why is this important? Because again, it is fulfilling biblical Old Testament prophecy literally written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. Listen to this uh, passage from 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 11 to 13. And this is uh, spoken to David, King David. The Lord declares to you, that's David, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Not for a couple of years, not for a decade, not for even a couple of centuries or a millennium, but forever. Finally, we're told that when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So look at that, just like Mary last week. Do you remember Mary last week? The Lord's will be done. No complaints, no what ifs, no but, 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 what? Just beautiful, simple obedience. Joseph, same deal. I mean, the Lord knew what he was doing picking these people, right? But there's nothing from Joseph, I, I, I don't know, I'm not sure. Is this, is this really from you, Lord? Or what, uh, 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 are people are going to wonder why Jesus doesn't look like me. <laughs> None of that. Just a simple faith, trust, and obedience. So what can we learn from Joseph? What can we learn from, from this story? How can we be more like Joseph? Well, firstly, he was compassionate and merciful. He didn't throw Mary to the wolves, even when technically he could have had the right to. He didn't do that. He's full of grace, full of mercy, full of compassion. And you know what we need in our society right now? We need more compassion. We need more mercy. Mercy and compassion for people who we disagree with. Can we still view them with love? Joseph was selfless and sacrificial. By adopting and raising Jesus as his own son, he would actually face a lifetime of suspicion and maybe ridicule from some people. Because you know, you ever lived in a small town? Or perhaps you were raised in a a close-knit community. Gossip travels fast, doesn't it? Word gets out the little scandals and all that people love to talk about. Well, Nazareth was a small town. People would have known Mary was pregnant out of wedlock. And I'm sure the question would always linger, is that really Joseph's son? Look at this loser raising somebody else's child. But Joseph was self-sacrificial. He put others' needs before his own. And that, again, is something that we need in our society today. We've become a very selfish, self-focused society. It's all about me, me, me. We need to be outward focused again. Thinking of the needs of others before our own. Joseph was also faithful and obedient. Even in incredulous circumstances. Joseph trusts in the Lord and does what the Lord asks of him. He did not shrink back from what God was calling him to. And the same goes for us. You know, if we're honest, sometimes we know God is calling us to something. But we find every excuse under the sun not to do it, don't we? We kind of know deeply, ah, yeah, I think this is from God, but I, you know, but we're afraid or we just don't want to do it. But the Lord is saying, don't be afraid. Don't shrink back from what I've called you to. Because actually, if you walk in his way and his will and his purpose for you... Oh, that's where the true life and beauty will be for you. If you want to see the Lord work in powerful ways in your life, then you must walk in powerful, logic-defying faith. If you live your life flat, you are going to see miracles. You're going to experience a vibrant and a transforming relationship with God because you are living by faith. And that's what Joseph did and that's what we can take away from Joseph's take let's pray Father we are, we are so thankful for the, the faithfulness of Joseph thank you Lord that he, he didn't reject Mary he didn't turn her away and call her names and, and try to uh, just make a fool of her Lord but that actually he, he embraced her Thank you, Lord, that you, you sent your angel to ease his fears, Lord. I'm sure Joseph was asking the very question, what child is this? Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be as faithful as Joseph was. That we would not shrink away from what you're calling us to, Lord, but you would give us your courage, Lord, your boldness and that we would find life through our obedience to you, Lord. So we lift this up to you, Lord, and we pray it in your holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.